0: Here on Earth, we're familiar with distance scales that are roughly the size of a human being. We can talk about larger things. Trees, mountains, highways, or even the entire planet, which is millions of times larger than a human. We talk about smaller things, too. Insects, dust, and microscopic things like cells and molecules. A single atom is 10 billion times smaller than a human. But the limits of space, on large scales and small alike, go much farther. What are the distance limits of the universe? Find out on this episode of the Starts With a Bang podcast. Compared to something like a human being, where we're usually between one and two meters tall, something like the Earth, which is more than 12 million meters across, is incredibly difficult to conceive of. When we do so, we normally have to do so with some intermediate estimates to sort of conceive that, well, okay, the Earth really is this big, but how much bigger is the Earth than a continent or a state or a city or something that we can get an easier handle on? We have to go up in little bitty steps in order to make sense of it. And yet, if we look at the large scales of the universe, they're far bigger than anything on Earth. The solar system, for example, is many, many billions of miles across. If you go out to the outer planets, the gas giants, or the Kuiper Belt, or the Oort Cloud, we're talking about billions of kilometers in distance, as opposed to the maybe 12 million that Earth is. We can go beyond that and talk about the distance to the stars, which instead of using tens of trillions of kilometers, we start talking about those in terms of light years galaxies are even larger. They are hundreds of thousands of light years in size. Distant galaxies are millions, hundreds of millions, or even billions of light years away. And finally, if we want to go all the way to the edge of the visible universe to the maximum scale that we can conceive of, measure, and gain information from, that's 46 billion light years away. That is the Hubble radius of the universe. As time goes on, more and more of the distant universe will be exposed to us. Given all that we've seen using the world's most powerful telescopes, we can detect a total of about 2 trillion galaxies now. We've seen, with our deepest views, the equivalent of about 10% of those. But future observatories will bring these fainter and more distant galaxies into view at last. In the future, because the speed of light has made it so that light from objects that has been emitted that hasn't yet reached our eyes is already on the way, we can say in the future there will be even more than that available to us. All told, we'll wind up having access to information from 4.7 trillion galaxies when all is said and done. But there could be even more universe out there. In fact, we have no reason to think there isn't. There's a very big difference between the observable universe that we have access to and the unobservable universe, the universe that goes beyond where the speed of light, even in principle, could eventually reach us after enough time has gone by. Beyond the observable universe, we expect there to be more universe just like ours, except that's forever unobservable to us due to the fact that the universe is expanding. Right now, today, the limit of the observable universe is 46 billion light years away a photon that was emitted at the moment of the Big Bang that traveled at the speed of light that arrives at our eyes just now would correspond to an emission point that today is 46 billion light years away due to the expansion of the universe. The unobservable universe should be at least hundreds of times as distant, based on the measurements of spatial curvature today and a simple inference that the universe beyond what we can observe is topologically and mathematically similar to the universe that we can observe. But we also know about cosmic inflation. We know that there was a process, that there was a physical state of the universe that existed before the Big Bang that set it up. The limits that we can probe are artificial. They're imposed by the fact that we've only had a finite amount of time to see all that there is in the universe and that the speed of light only moves at a finite speed. That's why we have the observable limits we do. The true limits are guaranteed to be huge and may not even exist. On the largest of all possible scales, the universe itself could be infinite. If we want to probe small scales instead of large ones, we don't use telescopes or great observatories. We'll use microscopes to get smaller things. And then to go extremely small, we need to go to high energies. If we want to go beyond what you could see with, for example, a visual microscope, what you need to do is understand there's a relationship between energy and size. And that's why we have to go to high energies. In quantum physics, everything, every particle of matter, whether it's massless like a photon like light is, or whether it's massive like an electron, a proton, or even an atom, It has a relationship between energy and size, given by the fact that every particle has a wavelength. If you were to draw out a wave, something that starts at a zero point, that rises up, that decreases down through zero and makes a trough and then comes back up, you can imagine drawing one full oscillation of a sine wave or a cosine wave, something that oscillates, that starts at equilibrium, amplitudes itself up away from it, comes down through equilibrium and amplitudes down below it and then comes back, that's a wavelength. Whatever the amount of distance that that wave takes up is, is the length of that wave, is its wavelength. And as you go to higher and higher energies, you'll find that a wavelength will get smaller and smaller and smaller. This is why we have light, the visible light that we can see, that goes from the spectrum of blue-violet light at a shorter wavelength at 400 nanometers, all the way up to long wavelength red light at 700 nanometers. At even longer wavelengths and lower energies, you get infrared, microwave, and radio waves. And at shorter wavelengths, you get ultraviolet X-ray and gamma-ray energies. These are higher and higher energies with smaller and smaller wavelengths. Our most powerful particle accelerator of all, the Large Hadron Collider, gets to such high energies, energies that are more than 10,000 times the rest energy of a proton, can reach down to distance scales that that are the equivalent of 10 to the minus 19 meters. That is incredibly small. That's 10,000 times smaller than a proton and 1 billion times smaller than a hydrogen atom. So far from doing that test, from making these observations, we found that standard model particles, things like the quarks, the leptons, and the bosons that make up our universe, are fundamental and particle-like. There is nothing new beyond the standard model that has been seen, and there are few indicators that point to another particle or a constituent of what we currently call the fundamental particles that might be found. But at some tiny scale, beyond what even the highest energy cosmic rays, the highest energy particles that we observe in the universe, which hit 10 to the 11 giga electron volts, or 10 million times as great as the Large Hadron Collider energies. If we go beyond what they can reach, there's the possibility that space itself will actually be quantized and discrete. When we say something is quantized, we refer to the fact that it's quantum in nature, that everything about it comes in individual packets, that photons or electrons would obey certain energy levels, and that particles like photons or electrons exist so that each one carries a certain amount, a certain quanta of energy. But there's a difference between quantized, saying that something obeys fundamental quantum rules at some level, and discrete, which is the opposite of continuous. If you shine a flashlight, it looks continuous. It looks like you have a, a beam of light or a wave of light. But if you were to look at a very small scale at the light that comes out of that flashlight, you would find that there are a finite number of individual photons, individual quanta of energy that carry the energy in that light. What we're looking for is discreteness. A human being is discreet, because if you chop us up into itty bitty pieces, at some point you'll get down to fundamental particles like electrons and quarks that can't be broken down any farther. The big question that we have about the nature of space itself, and time itself for that matter, We assume that they're quantum, but are they discrete? Is there a smallest amount to space that there could be? You might say, well, in the quantum universe, everything is discrete, and that's not true. If I were to say, hey, here's a photon, its energy is discrete, now let's put it in the expanding universe. The wavelength is the characteristic that defines a photon's energy. If you allow a photon to fly through the universe, and the space of the universe itself stretches and expands, what you'll find is the wavelength of that photon expands too. Therefore, the photon energy itself cannot be quantized in discrete chunks. It has to stretch continuously owing to the expansion of the universe. There are some metallic conductors that have the electron energy levels broken up into bands, into conducting bands, where a higher band means a higher energy, If you were to measure the electron, you would get a distinct quantized discrete energy for it. But if you were to ask, where is the electron? What is the position of this electron? You would get a continuous value. It isn't discrete. Where the electron is located is not a discrete property. When it comes to looking at space and time themselves... We believe they ought to be quantized, but whether they're discrete, whether there are fundamental very small-scale chunks that say you cannot go smaller than in space or in time, we do not yet know the answer to that. There's a very interesting hypothesis about the universe. You may have heard of it that says we live in a simulation. This would be interesting because it's something we can go out to measure when we look at the signatures at very high energies that the universe leaves behind, when we look and try to measure a fundamental distance scale. In theory, we can calculate that it ought to be at the Planck scale at 10 to the minus 35 meters or smaller. This is where, owing to the incompatibility of general relativity and quantum mechanics, things no longer make sense. However, if the universe is a simulation, it's possible that we will see a blurring on relatively large scales, on scales larger than the Planck scale. When you attempt to measure for example, distance scales at some level, you can see whether you can actually resolve things very well down to that distance scale or whether things will appear blurred, whether distances will appear uh, not so well defined. If that's the case, if we see a fundamental blurring of distance scales at some level, then we could conclude that we live, in fact, in a simulation. We have current constraints that say, to the utmost we can measure, the universe doesn't exhibit the signs of a simulation. But well before we go those extra 16 orders of magnitude down to the Planck scale, which we hope with better and better accelerators and better and better technologies to probe cosmic waves will someday be able to do, we will be able to constrain even better whether we live in a simulation or not. The way that this problem of a smallest fundamental scale first came about came when we were looking at Fermi's theory of beta decay. This is radioactive decays. It was found when Heisenberg tried to formulate a quantum field theory of this that it didn't make any sense. He started to get infinities. And the reason he started to get infinities is that below a certain distance scale, you started to just get nonsense. You started to get nonsense in your calculation that started giving you probabilities that were infinite, And since a probability cannot be greater than one, this was a real problem. To solve this problem, to solve this theoretical conundrum, Heisenberg realized that if he introduced a distance cutoff on small scales, there wouldn't be any important effects happening on scales below a certain distance, but it would allow your theory to make sense. This distance cutoff is where the idea of the Planck scale first found its utility. Now, we no longer need a distance cutoff when it comes to radioactive decays because we've developed a better, more complete field theory known as the electroweak theory. However, we still have problems in quantum physics with certain distance scales. For example, one of the classic quantum mechanics problem is to put a particle in a box, and ask, what are the energy levels of this particle that it's allowed to occupy? The energy levels are quantized, but the particle's position is discrete. On the other hand, what happens if you make this box smaller and smaller and smaller? The reason quantum mechanics is so interesting is because our large macroscopic scales are so much larger than the quantum effects that come about only on small scales. If you talk about putting a particle in a box, those corrections to the classical answer will be in terms of Planck's constant which is h, which is an extremely small quantity. But if you start looking at very small boxes and try to put your particles in there, if you start looking at boxes the size of, for example, the Planck scale and put a particle in there, well your answers stop making sense. They start to blow up because The term, the first quantum term that is of order Planck's constant is of order h, is smaller than something that you would go to higher orders, like h squared or h cubed or so on. So you need to have a cutoff in many aspects of quantum physics. This shows up in a modern issue of gravity. In general relativity, even, when you add that to quantum physics, it amplifies the uncertainty inherent to position, and there's an impossibility of making sense below a certain distance scale. Therefore, we know we need a quantum theory of gravity, but without a true full quantum theory, just as the electroweak theory solved the problems inherent to the previous theory of beta decay, without a quantum theory of gravity, it's impossible to make sense of space below a certain distance scale. So what are the possibilities for the fundamental nature of space? What are the possibilities for the limits of the universe on the smallest scales of all? Well, there are three. The first is that space and or time are are discrete. This, if it exists, is very interesting. It would mean that where your particle is can only change in discrete jumps, that things cannot move continuously. This would be very interesting for relativity and would maybe pose a very new puzzle because if there's a smallest possible scale, say 10 to the minus 35 meters, then what happens if you move close to the speed of light and lengths contract? Would that observer, would that person moving close to the speed of light see a smaller fundamental length scale? Would that imply there was a privileged frame of reference. Would that imply that one observer would see something fundamental as it actually was, while another observer would see a contracted fundamental length? You would have to give something up about physics in order to make sense of this, such as Lorentz invariance or locality. These are things we do not give up very easily in physics, and so if space and or time were discrete, it would lead to a revolution in how we conceived of a universe. On the other hand, a second possibility is that everything could be continuous. You could have a quantum but continuous background of space and time with no smallest scale at all. While this is pleasing from a relativity point of view, it poses some interesting quantum problems. For example, if a particle is fundamental, does that mean it has to be infinitesimally small? Or does that mean that you could build a box in theory that your fundamental particles couldn't fit into? This is an interesting thing to think about, and until we have a quantum theory of gravity, we will not know. On the other hand, there's this third possibility that the simulation hypothesis brings about. Regardless of discrete or continuous, we might have a fundamental blurring to contend with. If this is due to a simulation or other properties of nature that show themselves, we may be fundamentally unable to distinguish what the true nature of space and time are. If reality is blurred on a small enough scale, we may never be able to get down to the Planck scale to extract meaningful information. Is it hopeless? To tell, will we have to achieve such high energies that we'll never be able to do it? Maybe not. A few years before he died, the great physicist Jacob Bekenstein devised an idea for a tabletop test to determine whether the Planck scale is a fundamental smallest scale or not. The test he devised involved passing a single photon through a crystal. As the photon struck the crystal, the crystal would move a little bit as a certain amount of the photon's momentum was imparted to it. When the photon left the crystal, the crystal would have to shift back. If there's a fundamental limit to how small of a scale the crystal could shift by, This could be indicative of a fundamental smallest scale. This is something that in principle we can do an experiment here on Earth without going to incredibly high energies to look for this effect. No one has figured out how to practically perform the test, but in principle there's a way to do it. And that means this problem may not just be Theorizing with no observational test to perform, it may be something where we can actually go ahead and ask the universe, are you quantized or discrete at the Planck scale, and get an answer. In conclusion, we know, even though human beings are about one meter in size, we can go all the way down to the Planck scale, down to scales of 10 to the minus 35 meters in principle. That's 35 orders of magnitude down, and we should be able to see Wow, how small do things look? What do things look like on all of these different distance scales? We can also go up and out into the universe on larger scales. If we go to the edge of the observable universe, that's a scale of 10 to the positive 28 meters. It's a huge difference from 10 to the minus 35 to 10 to the positive 28 meters. But all told, that's only around 63 orders of magnitude. There could be an infinite amount of magnitudes lower or higher that we simply don't have access to or haven't figured out how to gain access to. What lies beyond the distant scales we know of that consist of our observable universe? Perhaps someday a clever theoretical physicist will figure out a way that we can probe those smaller or larger scales and learn what lies beyond the limits of our presently observable universe. The Starts With a Bang podcast is only made possible through the generous donations of our Patreon supporters. Support us now at patreon.com slash bang. I'd like to thank everyone donating at the $5 a month level and above. Thanks go to Robert J. Hansen, Samir Kumar, Tim Graham, John Methot, Aaron Weiss, Pavel Zuzelski, Chris Shaw, Thomas Sola, Denier, Pedro Texera, Igor Mitrofanov, Eric Brown, Mark Armstrong, Jose Enrique, Frederick Martello, Sean Foley, Elversena Sosa, Flo, Richard Jousey, DGE, John Kozura, Marcelo Barnaba, Nick Tomlinson, Rafal Wojcichuk, Danny, Alexander Marius, Guy Jin, Andrew Douglas, Chris Hilly, Weller Tractor Salvage, Jerry Wilterding, Tom Van Scotter, Michael Lewis, Mike, Fletch, Ahmed Lee Comsi, Jeffrey Kidd, Dana Bridges, Kelly Kudrick, Richard Schwartz, Darren Redfern, Mark Bloor, Nick Delroy, Ronan Yechizel, Frank, Fraser Kane, Steve Schaber, Naked Bunny with a Whip, Kevin Barnes, Patrick Dennis, Radek Nesbida, James Nance, Joe McFarland, Amira Sosnik, Sidney Atwood, Harry Plumley, Nathan Hanna, Tomas All, Glenn McDavid, Benjamin Turner, David Taschioni. Philip Radlovic, John Seal, Braxton Thomason, Karen Garrison, and Zarko Opacic. Thanks everyone for your support and for tuning in, and I'll see you next time here for more Starts with a Bang.